it is just such an exciting time to be part of the local church. And I want to continue with this idea of time as we wrap up our series today, Time to Kill. It's hard to believe we're already wrapping up this series. I feel like I just started it, and uh, I definitely uh, feel like I did not make the most of my time or do not have enough time to get everything to you that I've wanted to in this series. And sometimes life feels that way, you know, like there's just not enough time to do all the things that you want to do or to fit in everything that you want to fit in. And if you can relate to that at all, I believe that the word I have for you today is going to help you. But I'm not trying to help you manage your minutes as much as I want to help you maximize your moments. And to do that, I want us to look together in Galatians chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, you can find your way there. If not, we'll put the words on the screen so we can all follow along together. And just a little pro tip, if you're kind of new to church or a new believer, a new to following Christ, maybe you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. And in fact, the best way to engage with God's Word, what I do is I have the Bible on my phone. You just go to Bible.com and download the app, and there's devotions and stuff that you can use, and it's a great way to engage with God's Word. But in Galatians chapter 6, Paul, the Apostle Paul, you might have heard of him before, is writing a letter to the churches in Galatia. And it's known as like the, the central letter of Christian freedom. A little context to this letter, uh, the Galatians, Paul had taken a missionary trip there, led them to Christ, planted a church, and then after he had gone away, uh, somebody else had come in and began to teach what Paul calls a different gospel. They began to put burdens on them, put shackles on them, say, if you're going to follow Christ, you have to follow all of the Jewish law. You have to do all these different things. And so now Paul writes this letter to the Galatians to say, man, I can't believe that you're so quickly turning away from the gospel that I gave you to a different gospel, and you're doing all these things, there is freedom in Christ. And so he takes this whole letter to talk about the freedom that we have in Christ. And in the final chapter, chapter 6, which is what we're looking at, he says this, and I want us to look at it together, starting in verse 7. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. And all he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we'll harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. So right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us and the community of faith. So I told you in the first week of this series that the secret to finding strength in your season is to surrender your season without giving up. And I want to elaborate on that thought today as we get into part three of this series because sometimes we miss our moments because we're wrong in our timing. And I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to get it wrong. I want you to get it right. So I want to speak to you from this subject today. If you're taking notes, write 
on time. That's the title of my sermon, Right on Time. That's always my custom to pray before we get into the preaching of God's Word. So if you would, just bow your head with me and let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for another opportunity to come before you, to speak to your people, to be in your presence. And God, I ask that you would use me today. Let your word go forth as good seed sown on good soil. God, let it take root and produce fruit in our lives. God, I ask that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, a mind to know, and a heart to receive all that you have for us today. God, I believe that you will, and everybody who agrees with that can say, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, has anybody, uh, have you felt a little more fatigued this past week than normal? Anybody? I don't know, like, like I know it's time changed Sunday last week, right? I mean, obviously that, that plays part, but I mean like this past week, I felt like it's taken me all week to kind of get back on rhythm. Usually, you know, I can kind of get back into it by Monday or Tuesday, but it has been a struggle. I've been on the struggle bus this past, uh, this past week just trying to, to get back in my rhythm and routine. I mean, if there was ever a time to kill, I would want to kill time change Sunday because <laughs> I just don't like it. It's the reason I didn't preach last Sunday, right? Because half of you weren't here. Just laugh, nobody's going to know. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a struggle. It's funny, though, because um, I actually had a meeting with somebody last Sunday in the afternoon before worship night, and uh, they almost missed the meeting because they forgot to change their clock. Did anybody ever do that? You forget to, like, change your clock? Or how many, actually, let's just take a poll. How many of you are, like, the proactive people? You change your clocks the night before, like, you're on it, you're good. Okay, the rest of you, you yeah, you're like me. You just, you know, you'll get to it eventually. How many of you wait all year and just let it, like, go around? It's like, it, it'll get back to normal one of these days. Well, yeah, I had this meeting, and uh, she almost missed it because she didn't change her clock, and she got the time wrong. And I don't want to embarrass this person. I'm, I'm not going to tell you her name because never want to embarrass them like that. But I will tell you that it rhymes with Rachel Hartford <laughs> and uh, our outreach director. We had, a, we had a meeting. She almost missed it. She was looking at the time, the wrong time. Because she got the time wrong. I was looking at the time, the right time, right? Had the same moment two different times. And you might be thinking, why are you picking on her? Well, it's kind of fun. But this does have a point with my message. Because what you might not realize is that in Scripture, Scripture talks about two different kinds of time. And I want to give these to you today. And this is going to help you understand what God wants to do in your life, in the season, in this moment. Make the most of your time. And, and there's two words that are translated time in Scripture. I want to teach them to you today. If it's your first time here, understand I don't always use Greek words when I preach. Like usually once a year, I'll bust out some Greek. So, you know, like actually study to do this and I'm qualified to be up here. But most of the time, I don't know. So you, this is a special Sunday today. You are going to feel so smart. You are going to feel superior to all of your friends. You are going to be so glad that you came to Velocity Church today or that you're watching online. So the, these two Greek words, um, I want you to write these down if you're taking notes. And if you're not taking notes, I still want you to write them down because this is going to help you. This is, going to, this is going to not just make you smarter, but help you understand how to be right on time. 
I want you to understand what God's will is for you in this moment. I don't want you to get it wrong. I don't want you to miss the moment like Rachel almost missed the meeting. So these two words, two words, the first one is this, Greek words for time. First one is chronos. Chronos. Say chronos. All right, you're with me. Have you ever heard of chronos before? Chronos is easy. makes sense. Chronos is chronological. It's sequential time. It's the time that's measured in minutes. It's the time that we can add up. It's, it's clock time, chronos. The second Greek word, though, is kairos. Kairos. Say kairos. Who here has ever heard of kairos? Kairos, some of you are so smart. All right, I'll give you the mic. Kairos. Kairos is the right or opportune time. So scripture talks about these two different kinds of time. There's chronos and kairos. Chronos is clock time, calendar time, TikTok, not the app like the TikTok on the clock time. Kairos is the right time, and it's in our text today. I don't know if you noticed it. Let me read it to you again. In verse 9, Paul writes, he says, So let us not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good, because at the right time, at the kairos, we'll harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. And then he goes on, he uses it again, he says, Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, that's the kairos, every time we have an occasion, Every time we have an opportunity, every chronos that there is a kairos, let's work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us and the community of faith at the right time, kairos. Chronos is a quantity. It's measured in minutes. Kairos is a quality. It's not measured in minutes. You either seize it or it slips through your fingers. Kronos, it measures the changing of seasons. Kairos indicates the changing of a purpose. Two different types of time. So when, when Paul is writing this letter to the Galatians, within this verse, he's referencing two different types of time. He says there's chronos time, which is all the minutes, days, weeks, years, the, the allotted time between when you plant something and when you harvest something, chronos. But then he says, there's a kairos. There's a right time. There's a time that marks the occasion where God's will is being performed. There's a time that, that marks a moment where, where God is involved. There, there's a kairos where God's will is done. And in our scripture today, he, he uses this analogy of planting and harvesting. And it made me think of, how we started this series in Ecclesiastes, where Solomon, he says, to everything there is a season. There is a time and a purpose under heaven. Paul is doing the same thing. Planting and harvesting, sowing and reaping. He's actually referencing what God said to Noah all the way back in Genesis, where God said, as long as the earth remains, there is going to be seed time and harvest. Now, when I grew up in church as a kid, I heard this phrase that as long as the earth remains, there will always be seed time and harvest. And I didn't really understand what seed time was. I thought that's one word. I thought it was two words. Like as long as the earth remains, there's going to be seed, time, 
and harvest. And that's true, isn't it? Like, with what God does in our lives and with what we do, there's a time where we plant things, and there's a time when we harvest things, but in that time in between, that space in between, that process, that's what we don't like to deal with. Is that just me? <laughs> the seed, time, and harvest. See, like, I just want to plant it and then pick it up. Just sow it and reap it. Just drop it and get it back, multiplied. Just plant it, pluck it, put it in my bucket, and move on. Like, is anybody else like me? Like, don't you wish you could just go straight from seed to harvest? But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And what Paul is saying is that if you get fatigued in this, if you get fatigued in the chronos, if you give up during the chronos, you'll never experience the kairos. So if you stop because things are taking longer than you want them to take, if you get discouraged, you'll never experience the harvest, chronos and kairos. Okay, did I give you enough time on these Greek words? You feel like you got those down? You can go teach this to somebody. All right, now, I wanna, now that I taught you some Greek, I want to teach you some Christianese. Do you know what Christianese is? Because like sometimes, some, sometimes in church, it's not the Greek that we don't understand. It's the English that we have a hard time understanding. Like especially if you didn't grow up in church. If, you, if you're not, if you haven't hung around church, sometimes you'll hear some words or some phrases and you'll be like, what in the world does that mean? We have these things we say. It's kind of like insider language sometimes. And we work hard not to use too much insider language around here. But there's one, if you, if you hang around here very much at all or, or you've been around church at all in your life, you might be familiar with this phrase called a God moment. Have you ever heard that phrase, a God moment? Anybody ever use that phrase, a God moment? What's a God moment? A God moment is like when God does something unusually cool. And these moments are typically very memorable. They, they stick out. Like, here's an example of God moment. Maybe, maybe there's somebody that, like, you've been praying for, and you, you just, like, maybe you've been distant from them or whatever the case, but you've been praying for them, and then you run into them at the grocery store that day. It's a God moment. Maybe on the flip side of that, maybe you're going through something where you've been uh, like discouraged, you've been feeling lonely, and you're kind of dealing with these emotions. And at the time that you're feeling that, your phone lights up, you get a phone call or a text message, and somebody has some words where they're just encouraging you or they're praying for you. It's a God moment. Maybe it could be where you've just been scrolling through Facebook, just wasting time on Facebook, and somebody sends you a link to a sermon at Velocity Church, and what that pastor is talking about is the exact thing that you are going through in life. It's a God moment. You might think it's coincidence. That's okay. You have a right to be stupid. But it is... God operates by a name sometimes called coincidence. It's a God moment. 
Have you ever experienced a God moment before? You know what I'm talking about? And I don't know whether, <laughs> whether you've had a lot of these or recently, but it's just like you get that right word, that phone call, that text message. It's like, how did they know? Well, they didn't, but God does. Where, where you pray a prayer and, and God answers the prayer right down to the dollar amount, right down to the change. It's a God moment. And you don't have to experience too many of these moments to realize that God operates on a different schedule than you and I do. You know, sometimes God moments, they happen in our lives that we might consider inconvenient. God's dealing with you about forgiving somebody, and then you see that person, you're like, God, really, right now? <laughs> it's not a good time. Sometimes God moments happen at times that we would consider late. Sometimes it can seem like God moments are, are mistimed, but you don't have to experience too many of these to recognize that God is on a different schedule than you and I are. God is in a different time. God lives in Kairos, we live in Kronos. And this is the reason why a lot of stuff doesn't happen in our life when we think it should happen. Because God does things at the right time. And you and I don't really know when the right time is because we don't understand time. And the truth is, even though I gave you all these different examples of, of God moments, there's a part of me, and I don't use a phrase, there's a part of me that doesn't really like that phrase, doesn't like that expression. Because it almost reduces God to a moment. It's like, I only get moments to operate in now? Is, is that it? Do I need to schedule one of these moments with you? Should I talk to your assistant? Is that, is that how this works? No. See, what you see is that, truthfully, all time is God's time. And there is going to come a day when you and I, all of us in this room, are going to have to answer for how we stewarded God's time, the time that he gave us. And when that day comes, he is not going to be asking you about a moment. Did you, did you like that rainbow? Was that cool when you got that text message? What did you do with it? No, he's not going to be asking you about a moment. He is going to be asking you about what you did with all the time that he's given you. And what I'm trying to help you understand is that all time is God's time, Therefore, every moment has the potential to be a God moment if you want to bring God into that moment. So when I studied this week, the, the way God showed this to me, it was so powerful. I wasn't even sure that like, I could communicate it to you the way that I received it, but I'm going to do my best. Because we live our lives by clocks and calendars. What we're... we're we're living our lives watching for the seasons to change and counting down to celebrations. So we think that the harvest comes when the clock gets to zero or we flip the page on the calendar. When the season changes, then we'll get to harvest season. But what I'm trying to help you see is that the harvest doesn't come at the end of Kronos. It comes in the Kairos. Here's what I mean. We don't receive a harvest simply because we survived a season. We reap a harvest because we planted seed. And this is what changed for me this week as I was studying it. Because 
See, I thought this verse always read, if you'll just endure the season, you'll experience a harvest. But that's not what Paul's saying. I always read it, hey, don't give up. Just hold on. Just hang in there. Just keep going. Just wait it out. Just stay put. Just, just endure. But Paul isn't writing for them to endure. He's writing for them to engage. He says, let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. He's saying you should be active. You should be doing something right now. You should be planting seed. And I'm concerned because I think there's a lot of us who are waiting for a harvest instead of working for one. Have you noticed this March Madness going on? Anybody March Madness fan in here? It's like the greatest four days of sports right now this week, this past week. They say, you know, with March Madness that every game has the same goal. Every team has the same goal. I don't know if you've heard this phrase. When it comes to the tournament, it's, it's this simple. Here's the goal. Survive and advance. Anybody ever hear that? It's just survive and advance. It doesn't have to be pretty. Just survive and advance. But here's what I noticed. Is you don't advance if you're just trying to survive the clock. You don't advance just because the Kronos is over. You advance because you seized the Kairos. You advance because you rose to the occasion. You, you advance because you're doing what the moment calls for. It's not survive the Kronos in advance. It's rise to the occasion. Do what the moment calls for. That's the only way you advance. And here's how I'm trying. This is the clearest way I can put it. Let me break it down for you this way. The harvest doesn't come because time is fulfilled. The harvest comes because your purpose is. There, there are many of us who are trying to simply wait out the clock when I get to harvest season, when COVID is finally over, when everybody is vaccinated, when all of this is behind us, just trying to wait out the clock. But you don't get harvest simply because time is fulfilled. You get harvest because your purpose is. The harvest comes because you were faithful planting seeds prior. He says, at the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't stop planting. At the Kairos, not the Kronos. At the right time, not the end of Kronos. And so we miss God moments because we don't know what we're looking for. This is what I'm trying to help you see. We miss the Kairos because it's dressed in Kronos. We miss the tree because it comes as a seed. We miss the miracle because it looks like a mess. We miss the moment because it's hidden in monotony. We miss the blessing because it comes with a burden. And we miss the kairos because we grow weary. We grow weary. Nothing kills kairos like fatigue. I'm not talking about the kind of fatigue I was at the beginning of my sermon. Like there are sometimes you just need a nap. Take a nap. Get some rest, 
go to sleep. I'm talking about a different kind of fatigue. I'm talking about weary. It's interesting that Webster defines weariness this way. You can look it up for yourself. It says, weariness is reluctance to see or experience any more of something. See, weariness is where you've lost your vision. Weariness is when you've no longer got strength. Weariness is where you've grown apathetic that there could actually be a different outcome. And when you're weary, it's not that you're not capable, it's that you're not willing. You've got the strength, you've got the ability, you've just lost the will. It's not that you couldn't, you've just lost the will. That's why you grow weary. And see, I learned this in a different translation. When I grew up in church, it was all King James and New King James. Praise God for new translations. But when I, when I learned this, it, Paul would write, it said, don't grow weary in doing good. Anybody ever heard that before? Don't grow weary. I thought it was interesting that in this passage where Paul's talking about planting and harvesting, sowing and reaping, he says, don't grow weary. I got thinking, I wonder what it is you're growing. What, what are you growing? What seeds are you planting? Are you growing apathy? Are you growing indifference? Are you growing skeptical? Are you growing callous? Are you growing offended? Or are you growing stronger? Are you growing more like Christ? Are you growing more patient? Are you growing more forgiving? Here's what I want to tell you. The harvest is inevitable, but the fruit is optional. So this is what Paul said. He said, hey, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. What a person plants, they're going to reap. Whatever you put in the ground is what you're going to harvest. So don't grow weary. What, what seeds are you planting right now? What things are you putting in the ground? And I'm, I'm burdened for this because a lot of us have been thinking, and I'll let myself in here, that if I can just get to this moment, there'll be a harvest. And a harvest is coming, but it is what you're putting in the ground right now. Are you putting seeds in the ground that are going to produce joy? Are you putting seeds in the ground that are going to set you up for the next season? Are you putting seeds in the ground that are going to produce a harvest of eternal life? That are going to produce God's results in your life? That are going to produce God's purpose in your life? Are you putting things that are causing you to get discouraged? Skeptical? Cynical? Offended at everything? What you plant, you're going to reap. But you'll miss the kairos if you grow weary in the chronos. So what's the answer? If we've been getting time wrong, how is it 
that we get it right. Well, we get some incredible insight into this in Psalm 90. Psalm 90 is a fascinating psalm because it's written by Moses. And he starts out recognizing God as the creator and then begins to bring into it the way God views time. He says things like, God, you are from everlasting to everlasting. You can read the entire psalm on your own. He he says things like, God, with you, a thousand years is like a day. He says all these different things, but in verse 12, he says something interesting. He says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. See, I thought this was interesting because Usually chronological time is what we count. And he's talking about God's view of time. He says, God, teach us to number our days. So what is he saying? Are we supposed to just figure out how many days we got? Is that what this is about? No. He's not talking about the volume. He's saying, God, help us know how to value them. Help us to count what really counts in these moments so that we can make the most of the moments. And this is the shift. Because I think most of us, we've been trying to count the chronos. It's where we're asking the question, when will this be over? I mean, I don't know what this past season has been like for you, whether you want to say a season as the beginning of the year or you can go all the way back to 2020 asking this question, when will this be over? When will I get to the next season? When will I be past this? When will our kids be back in school? When will life look a little bit more normal, whatever normal is? When will we be able to move on? When will church feel like church? When when will the, the chronos That's not what he means, not to count the number. Not to look at the total, but to have a target. To understand God's purpose. Say, God, what what is it you're directing me to do? The activities we're doing, the direction we're moving, the seed that we're planting, the harvest that we're reaping. See, God doesn't measure moments like we measure moments. God's numbering system isn't just to tally points. A Kairos moment is a turning point. That's what I believe God wanted to do for you today, is to bring a turning point. That in this season, you can sow a seed to reap a harvest. That in this season, you can be putting stuff in the ground that is gonna produce God's purpose in your life. And I felt burdened for every person here that this would be a Kairos moment for you. That whatever you've been putting on the shelf, whatever you've been waiting on to get started, that you'd stop waiting. A lot of our waiting is actually wasting. God wants just to be a turning point for you today. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe you've been holding on to some bitterness. 
Maybe you've been harboring some unforgiveness. You would drop that. Let it be a turning point today. Maybe for you, you know, one of the things I liked in this verse we read is it said, when there's a kairos, every time we get a kairos, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Maybe for you, the, the kairos moment is you start serving in the house. Where's the place that I can make a difference? Well, where's the place that I can serve some people, that I can love some people, that I can benefit some people, the people that are, that are close, the people in this room, the people that are coming in? Maybe for you, the, the kairos moment is trusting God with your finances. Trusting God with your first and best. Maybe for you the, the Kairos moment is to surrender your life to God. You might be here and you haven't done that yet. You've been, it's about, life has been about what you want, your way, your plan. If that's you, whatever it is, I want to give you this opportunity to have a Kairos moment. Where, where God's will is being done. A turning point in your life. And I'd like to invite you to pray with me.